slid back when like a child running wild in the outside you got older older there's so much to chat about so much to talk about hi Blythe hi Erin we've been chatting for an hour I don't care we'll chat all night if it takes we've been looking forward to this podcast episode arguably since we ideated on the podcast yes that is true and here we are. Oh my gosh. Anyways, welcome to another episode of Smile You Love Us, a podcast where we discuss the wide world of teen movies, what they mean to us, and their impact on pop culture as a whole. I'm Erin. I'm Blythe. I'm one martini in, so you know. No, we're both one martini in. Feeling we're good. In it together. Feeling good. Today we're breaking the rules a little bit. Uh, as our seven to nine listeners out there know, it's uh, our average audience of 19. Ooh! Yeah. Look at you with your statistics. We've Hello. I've got the business insights over here. Okay, so as you guys know, this podcast is strictly devoted to movies featuring high school-aged teens in the United States. Today's episode, however, is all about teen royalty, which naturally means that we will be dipping our toes in some international waters. Get your passports out. Let's go. We're ready. Not a lot of royalty in the United States. We have to go across the pond. Our journey begins in Genovia, which is not a real place, technically via San Francisco, with 2001's The Princess Diaries. Then it's off to England, where we explore <laughs> Britain's aristocracy as seen through the eyes of true teen queen Amanda Bynes in 2003's What a Girl Wants. And lastly, a diplomatic journey through Europe with Mandy Moore as America's most annoying fictional first daughter of all time. Sorry, Zoe Bartlett. Your crown has been taken. Who's Zoe Bartlett? She was the first daughter in the West Wing. Oh, Bartlett. Right, right. Another thing on my list yes. of things Played to watch. by uh, Peggy Olsen. Oh, I didn't know that. Elizabeth Moss. Handmaid's Tale. Scientologist. Yes. Can never let that go. Cannot let that go. Uh, icky dick. <laughs> I will start. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to talk about Princess Diaries. To caveat everything I'm going to say in Princess Diaries for the rest of this episode, this movie came out when I was 11. Mm-hmm. I saw it in theaters when I was 11. Did you read the book? No. Okay. At ele- I think it was honestly probably like, not too advanced for 11, but it was like, I was probably just getting around to books like this at 11. Got it. And it didn't bubble up. Got it. Um, I have read other Meg Cabot, though. I can't remember what, but I have read other Meg Cabot. Okay. Um, or I did. <laughs> I'm not currently reading <laughs> Meg Cabot. Although I bet they'd be a, a delightful one half hour. Anyways, so I saw this when I was 11, which means I probably saw, I definitely saw it with my mom and my sister. My sister was probably oh, nine. That's so great. Yeah. So, like, just know that I was not a teenager when I saw this movie because I was too young to be a teenager when I saw this movie. And it meant a lot to me then, and I don't think I fully unpacked that until rewatching it mm-hmm. now. Yeah. I've seen it many times since. We'll get to that later in the pod. The Princess Diaries is Gary Marshall's 2001 film based on, as we said, Meg Cabot's novel of the same name. It marks the debut, the film debut of Anne Hathaway, who we absolutely adore. Yeah. I will... I have to just do a quick Anne Hathaway anecdote, because I really love her, but I know a lot of... She's very polarizing. I went through a period where I didn't, and I I couldn't feel more guilt over it. 
So I was recently going on a trip, and I asked my boyfriend, what movie should I watch on the plane? And he goes, I don't know, put on some fucking Anne Hathaway movie and go to sleep. <laughs> I mean, I He's see not him, wrong. He's like, not wrong. Yeah. He really knows you. He really does. <laughs> You're really loved. You're really seen in your partnership. <laughs> so Anne Hathaway stars as Mia Thermopolis, who is a big-time nerd, and discovers that she's actually the princess of Genovia. Since her parents are divorced... Her mom kept a secret from her with plans to tell her when she turned 18, but when her father, that she really didn't know, dies, her glamorous, gorgeous, regal grandmother, Queen Clarice, played by Julie Andrews. We're talking about Julie Andrews in a teen movie. I can't believe this happened. She uh, was the best part of this movie. The best part of this movie. Queen Clarice arrives to share the news. And that she's a princess and urge her to accept the crown so that the um, the dynasty can continue. Yeah, there's some weird loophole where, like, if the if Genovia can't produce a blood heir. heir, then some other country, by law, gets to reclaim it. Yes, it's very strange. Yeah. And since it's not a real country, it doesn't need to Nobody be explained cares. in detail, truly at all. Uh... So, Mia Anne Hathaway undertakes princess lessons at the direction of her grandmother, who is so kind, and I really want to harp on what a genteel, is that the right word? I think, yeah, genteel. Yeah. yeah. Like, gracious, exceptional grandmother Julie Andrews plays in this, and, um... I'll talk later about why I think that this movie was so, like, female empowerment, but I do think that the root of it is Julie Andrews' relationship with Mia, is is Clarice's relationship with Mia, and how she's just like, we'll put you in princess lessons, and I believe in you, and you can do this. You can be a princess. Um, she's not a wicked grandmother by any means. So, she starts princess lessons. Uh, the film takes place in San Francisco, so she's navigating life as a 10th grader in her elite... Uh, private school, which is, like, a very San Francisco thing. But her home life is, like, very granola. Like, she lives in this, like... (sighs) It made me nostalgic for old school San Francisco. Even though I didn't live there in this time, I was like, oh, when, like, artists could live in, like, cool spaces, which I probably saw 400 of when I was looking for an apartment in 2012. But... And the way her mom talks about South of Market, as opposed to saying, I got this cool place in Soma. Soma. I know. Anyways... If, if you don't know what we're talking about, please see our episode, SoCal Teens, in which Blythe and I talk about our relationship to California. Yeah. Anywho. So, she's navigating life in San Francisco. She quite literally goes from, in the words of our favorite movie, Can't Find Me Love, not our favorite movie, she goes from geek to chic! Ooh. And then she's got to maintain her relationship with her best friend, Lily, who's played by Heather Matarazzo. You would recognize her if you saw her, if you aren't familiar with this movie. She's like a low-key teen queen. Yeah. She's in a lot of teen movies movies. as, like, the sidekick, the best friend. She's the Judy Greer, Catherine Hahn, if you will, of teen movies. Amen. And if you know what we're talking about... That's why you're listening to this podcast. You're you're probably... (laughs) I know know your name. Uh, (laughs) You are our niche. We are your niche. So... 
she also has to deal with a really mean girl, Lana, who's played by Mandy Moore. Mm. We have a lot to talk about Mandy Moore in this podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's got a big crush on a big hot dum-dum named Josh Bryant, played by a truly crushable, when I was 11, Eric Von Detten, who you would know from not just just his breakout role in Brink, the Disney Channel original movie. But honestly, from all Disney Channel original movies. Like, yeah. he's in a lot of Disney Channel adjacent content. Um, and then ultimately, her relationship with, like, this very crushworthy, the very crushworthy brother of her best friend, Michael, who is played by Jason Schwartzman. I'm sorry, not Jason Schwartzman. Michael Schwartzman. Robert Schwartzman. His name is Michael in the movie. Oh, right, you're sorry. I'm Robert sorry. Schwartzman, who is Jason Schwartzman. Uh, His little brother. Max Fisher's little brother is is in Princess Stars. Really quick side note. Did you know that Robert changed his name to Robert Cage? For a what? Bit in honor of his cousin, Nicholas Cage. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's also a major Northern California tie-in. Like, there's this weird family tree that I can't even begin to explain between the Coppola family, like, as in, like, Francis Ford Coppola, his granddaughter Sophia Coppola, and then the Schwartzmans are also kind of Coppolas, and then the Cages are also Coppolas. They're all Coppolas. He is cousins with Nick Cage. Yeah, it's weird. If you have any interest in Nick Cage is technically Coppola. That's his last name. Right, because he's credited in Fast Times at Ridgemont High as Nicholas Coppola. Yeah. It all ties yeah. together. Anyway, it's Jason... Uh, Ro- <laughs> Robert Schwartzman <laughs> is in this movie. Anyways, Robert Schwartzman plays Michael. And in the movie, he is... I bring this up because it is very important to my teen years. In the movie, he is in a band called Flypaper that was a band... A real band that had yet to pr- release, produce and release their first album. And when they would release it in 2013, no, I'm sorry, 2003, <laughs> it, it's Rooney. It's the band Rooney. So, um, Jason Schwartzman was in Phantom Planet. His yes. other brother was in Rooney. This this is a prodigal family. It's so family. meta. It's so meta. Phantom Planet was the... Th- played the theme song for the OC. For those of you who don't know Phantom Planet, goodbye. Uh, Rooney is like, I feel like a little weirder. And Rooney, a little they, Rooney was also all over the OC soundtrack. They were all over the OC soundtrack. They were like, I feel like they had a few people TRL. know Rooney. People okay. know Rooney. Anyways, I re-listened to Rooney this week and I was like, oh my god, this music holds up. Yeah. It's like, just like, after we, listened, after we did Rushmore, I re-listened to to Phantom Planet and Coconut Records, which was Jason Schwartzman's second coming. My brother's band opened for Rooney. What? Oh, yes. They went on tour together. Or, Kai, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you either went on tour with Rooney or you were an opening act for them. Yeah. I'm having a wild fucking teen day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to take a quick pause, and then we'll get back to... Uh, Princess Diaries, but I work for a media company that has, on occasion, celebrities into the office to do press videos. And today, while I was sitting in a phone booth, Misha Barton walked by me, not once, not twice, but three times. And Misha Barton is Marissa Cooper from the OC. 
I've lived in New York for 10 years. I've worked in media for about eight of them. I've never been as overclamped at the presence of a celebrity as I was with an unexpected Misha Barton, Marissa Cooper sighting. Unreal. She did immediately text me to say. I text Blythe, my sister, and a different group text I have of pop culture people. Yeah. Like, red alert, this is not a joke. This is not a drill. And you said she looked great. She looked amazing. I love to hear it. She looked great. She looks like a healthy person. Love it. Yeah. Okay, let me get back to Princess Diaries. Ultimately, Mia goes through many trials and tribulations, which mostly teen life tests her. Crushes gone awry, mean girls. Friendships fracturing. Totally. And then she also has to deal with the added layer of the press. And at the end of the day, she's got a very supportive family. And she's a really smart, cool girl in in her core. So she has to choose if she feels up to the task and wants to take on the undertaking of becoming a princess of Genovia... She digs deep in her inner strength and her understanding of herself and that support network that I mentioned. And she decides to become a princess. And we love Princess Mia. Like, I I am team Princess Mia all the way. A sequel was made a few years later in which she has to become get married or it's become great. engaged. Highly recommend everyone. I'd like it. to recommend it because Chris Pine is in it. I may... I, my... Chris Pine is my favorite Chris. Mine is Chris Evans, for those keeping track. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, we can talk about that. Captain fucking America? Yeah, Are you yeah. kidding me? Okay, I like Chris Pine. I mean, Steve in Wonder Woman was a great character. Yeah. Uh, I think Chris Pine low-key hitches himself to high-grossing female projects. Yes. And I think that that is rad. Yes, I agree. Uh, it's also possible that a third Princess Diaries will be coming out... In in which case, we will definitely do a pod on it. I don't care if she's fucking 40 in the movie. No, I mean, she's she's probably 40 in real life, right? No. Anyways, (laughs) I loved this movie. I loved rewatching it. We can talk about the rewatchable takes afterwards. A few fun facts I wanted to share are Liv Tyler was almost cast in the role. Oh my goodness. Gary Marshall showed a screen test to his granddaughters and they liked Anne Hathaway better. They thought that she was more, she had a better princess hair. She had better princess hair. Wow. I know. So that's why they Tell that to live Tyler in Lord of the Rings when her hair is extremely princessy. Um, the other thing is Anne Hathaway when she did her audition, she fell off of her chair because she was so nervous and so people think that that was like another reason why they considered her so much. A, A delicious delicious full circle tie-in. Princess Diaries and the original Mary Poppins were filmed on the same soundstage at the Walt Disney Studios, which uh, Mary Poppins stars Julie Andrews, obviously. Another wonderful, and my favorite fact of all, is that the cat, there's a cat, a great cat named Fat Louie in the movie. So good. They used four different cats, and one of them was uh, Anne Hathaway's actual cat. And most notably, like, the biggest thing about this movie is it is a very clear Gary Marshall movie because uh, Hector Alonso is in it. Oh. Okay. He's in all of his movies. So the next film on our uh, teen royalty list is What a Girl Wants. Oh, I'm sorry. 
My last fact is that Anne Hathaway's, or Princess Mia's dad is in all photos, her real dad, and then they just had her real dad sit there when they do that, like, weird voiceover writing. It's her real dad. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So, 2003 brought us What a Girl Wants, where Daphne Reynolds, played by Amanda Bynes, is the love child of Sir Henry Dashwood, played by Colin Firth. Hubba hubba. Wow. This movie without Colin Firth does not happen. I'm sorry. It doesn't make sense without him. Fair. He's perfect. Colin Firth plays Henry Dashwood, a handsome British politician who has decided to renounce his seat in the House of Lords in order to run for the Commons, which is probably too much information, but that's how weird British Parliament works. Like you, It's so weird. It's so there. weird. It's so weird. Anyway... Amanda Bynes's uh, mother is Libby, who is a singer that Henry met in Morocco, like, 18 in years their, ago. Yeah. And in their youth. In their youth. And they were married by a Bedouin prince, but apparently that was not a real marriage. Wrong so bones. when uh, Henry returned to London with his Bedouin bride, um, his evil advisor and the rest of his family... Uh, his evil advisor, by the way, is played by Jonathan Price. He looked so familiar to me, and I was like, who is this bad guy? And then I Googled it, and he is... The High Sparrow from Game of Thrones. He just plays like a wormy bad guy in everything he does. Well yeah. done, Jonathan Price. Yeah, he was very good. So, the High Sparrow and Henry's family plotted to drive the young lovers apart, and they told her a lie where they said she, he's not in love with you anymore. So she fled to New York and at the time did not realize that she was pregnant, um, but realized that if he didn't love her, she would save him the embarrassment of having this like pregnant American woman in his life. So she just like fled back to New York, mm-hmm. had a daughter and raised her as a single mother. And Daphne, who has never met her father, really only knows half of her origin story. Her mother would always tell her the same story. We met in Morocco. We fell in love. Something bad happened. I have you. I love you. And Daphne was like, well, that's not really enough for me. (laughs) So she decides to go to London to find her father, uh, completely unaware that he is a member of this British aristocracy. However, within minutes of arriving in London, she sees him on TV, because she has a picture of him that her mother gave her, and decides to just go to his house because she sees that he is a Dashwood and they have a, a mansion in London because it's... They're lords and ladies. Yes. So she immediately jumps the wall at Dashwood house in order to meet Colin first. She did consider going through the front door and she thought better of it. Yeah. She was stopped <laughs> by a guard who said, we don't give tours today. Tours? Your Midwestern is showing. Oh tours. Billy always makes fun of me for Tours. That. Okay, proceed. Okay, tours, which is how it's pronounced. Sorry. Tours. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so she jumps the wall uh, at Dashwood House so she can meet Colin Firth. And she is able to convince him that, like, look, I have this picture of you. I have my birth certificate with your name on it. I'm your daughter. And he allows her to say, because as he says to his fiance, she has my eyes. I'm going to say just like a quick pause on that. Like Amanda Bynes does not have Colin Firth's eyes. No, not even the least. Very different. Colin Firth's eyes are 
soulful and understanding, and he can he can just tell this is my daughter. Yes, it's a beautiful moment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll talk about. So she meets her dad. She meets her grandmother, played by Eileen Atkins. And she also meets her father's fiancé and a chancellor who just happens to be the daughter of the evil mastermind behind, what a coincidence. behind breaking up his previous marriage. And the evil mastermind's daughter's own daughter, Christina Cole. So, with the exception of the grandmother and Colin Firth, the rest of the family, meaning like the step, it's very Cinderella, the step family are very aghast, they're very upset, they think that she's either lying or is some sort of plot to make him look bad in the press so that he loses his his political career is damaged. Because he's pulling way ahead. Yeah. So Colin Firth decides that she absolutely should stay for the summer and she should be introduced into society as his daughter. He doesn't want to have any skeletons in his closet. So she spends the summer going to balls and meeting members of the royal family. At one point we get uh, some very bad doppelgangers of... Queen Elizabeth, Prince Charles, William and Harry. Horrible. Horrible. And the fact that she's American is seen as both garish and refreshing, depending on mm-hmm. who you talk to. And Daphne manages to turn several faux pas into these charming moments of, oh, I'm, I'm American. I'm just free-spirited. That's how we do it. Which Let us be clear. Not all Americans are free-spirited. Please well, see me as a case. Of I mean, honestly, her attitude, like the way she dressed, like her musical taste, everything oh, seemed yeah. way more California than New York. This girl yeah. was like a total hippie. She did not seem like a girl raised in Chinatown. No, she had no edge to her. No. So as Roger, just some pin straight two thousand and five. Oh hair. yeah. Oh yeah, and some very low rise jeans and some questionable belts. A lot of belts. Yeah. With the grommets. Um, as Roger Ebert stated in his review of the film, now that you know all that, you can easily jot down the rest of the plot by yourself. <laughs> this is basically a Cinderella story, complete with a wicked stepmother. Uh, as I said, she spends the summer with her father and British high society, and even has a coming out party. And at, it's at this party that she realizes she has to be true to who she is, which is not a lord's daughter, but the daughter of a single mother slash musician living in New York. And she decides to throw all the pretense away, and people are charmed even more by it. That's true. Did you mention that her mom is played by Kelly Preston? I did not. Really hot Kelly Preston. She's great. Also, a Scientologist. Damn. How'd you not know that? I don't know. I don't follow Kelly Preston that closely. John Travolta is like the number one Scientologist out there after Tom Cruise. And they're married. I don't follow John Travolta that closely. Jesus. Sorry. Sorry, this isn't a Scientology podcast. <laughs> Everything is a Scientology podcast. They just don't want you to know it. Anyway, eventually it comes to light that the High Sparrow unjustly separated Colin Firth and noted Scientologist Kelly Preston. It's true. <laughs> and so um, they decide to leave. He leaves political life, leaves his fiance, and and is reunited. And so Daphne's parents are now together, and they live happily ever after. And, important note, then Daphne goes to Oxford. Right. So they, they truly stay in England, all mm-hmm. as a family, together. Mm-hmm. And it's cute. She goes to a great school. Yeah. Which is like, I'm... Well, someone else goes to Oxford in the next movie we'll talk about. Oh, yeah. That is so hilarious. So the next movie that we watched, begrudgingly, Aaron, 
Yeah, I Aaron didn't, didn't want to watch it. I didn't. Yesterday, I texted Blythe and I was like, "I have a confession to." I know. I said, "I'm going to be very honest with you. I didn't watch Chasing Liberty." And Blythe was like, "Okay, what does that mean for our podcast?" And I was like, "I think that we can just record, and I'll like admit that I didn't watch it, and then hell no, you can talk about it." Because Blythe texted me all Sunday being like, this movie is so bad. This movie is so, so, so it bad. It is, but in, like, a great way. In the way no, that all bad movies... I never movies need are. to rewatch it, though. No, of course yeah, not. Yeah. So, um... But... I, we, we postponed recording by a day so that I could watch it. And watch it, I did. Yeah. We both watch it. But I'm going to talk about it. So, Chasing Liberty is a 2004 film that stars Mandy Moore as Anna Foster, who is an 18-year-old high school senior who just wants to kiss a boy before she goes off to college. And all of her dates are accompanied by a cadre of secret service agents because, spoiler alert, she is the daughter of the President of the United States. While the first family is on a state visit to Prague, Anna convinces her father to let her go to a local club club with just two agents. Uh, Side note, the Roots are playing in this club, which is phenomenal, and it's the whole scene in the club is basically a music video for The Roots. It, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, also, I was really struck by how young the members of The Roots looked, but also the fact that The Roots were playing on stage that I And they were and playing The Seed, which is still a song I hear all the time. Yeah, it's, like, it's arguably, like, their most famous song, yeah. slash, like, the most famous song of, like, that era. It was great. And they played at Fordham the, the next year? I don't know, Blake. I wasn't in college then. Sorry. The Roots played at Fordham. I was a sophomore in high Where? Okay. I got some Fordham pride, but skipped <laughs> out on that. By the time I got there, T-Pain was playing. Ooh. T-Pain is still a top five. I actually five. don't think it was T-Pain. It was Sh- Jay Sean. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well. Sorry. I don't know how I got them confused. Yeah. Sorry. Well, T-Pain <laughs> is still one of the top five concerts I've ever been to. Oh, my God. Yeah. So good. He has so many hits. You don't even realize it. Jay Sean has one. Right. (laughs) So, while she's at the club, it becomes clear to Anna that the place is actually swarming with undercover Secret Service agents, despite her father's agreement to only send a couple. And she's furious, and she's so upset that her father's broken his promise that she decides to run away. And she runs straight into the arms of a very handsome, very British full-grown man named Ben, who is played by Matthew Good of Downton Abbey, The Crown, and The Wine Show Notoriety, which are three of my favorite shows that I watch constantly. And she convinces him to help her escape on his motorcycle. He agrees, which should have been a red flag for so many reasons, but what she doesn't know is that he's actually a Secret Service agent, too. So she's actually in really capable hands, who just doesn't know it. Thus begins a very convoluted plot where the two, quote-unquote, escape together because he's actually looking out for her, and they begin this journey through Europe, ending in Berlin. And, of course, there is this, like, romantic bodyguard-style plot between Anna and Ben, and there are several comments made throughout the movie about how she's 18 and he's the youngest Secret Service agent ever hired, so you're supposed to be made to feel that it's okay, but they're, like, falling for each other. Mm -hmm. But it's feels really icky during the whole movie. It doesn't feel great. So, like I said, the plot is kind of trash. It doesn't make any sense. The president is supposedly okay with Ben basically fake kidnapping his daughter 
but then he also sends these two secret agents to find them. And this is like a side plot where Jeremy Piven and Annabella Scaro, Scaro. I don't know. She's great and really beautiful. She's also one of the most unfortunate victims of Harvey Weinstein. <gasps> yeah. Oh no. I know. Alice is crying. I for know. That too. I know. And like that's yeah. why you don't see her in more stuff. So like whenever I see her, I'm like, I wish I saw more of you, but like I understand. Oh, well, that bums me out. I know. So I'm sorry. Hard. I'm sorry. I had to. Yeah. Don't apologize for Harvey Weinstein. I know. But Fuck you, Harvey <sighs> Weinstein. Moving. So in this subplot where they're following Ben and Anna through Europe, the two Secret Service agents have their own age-appropriate and lovely um, love affair. Yeah. It's cute. I it's agree. very cute. There's one point when Mandy Moore's wallet is stolen in Venice, and she and Ben have to convince a gondolier to let them stay at his apartment, and then he drives them to Austria the next day, which is, like, conservatively a five-hour drive. So that's just one snapshot of how stupid this plot is. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. It's not designed for people. It's ludicrous. Who know where Austria or Italy are. Or, like, know anything about how a modern president would take care of handle yeah. his young daughter abroad Correct. like Correct. it make like it makes no sense Correct. so but the plot is ludicrous the only interesting tidbit i have about the film is that mandy moore's mom is played by the same actress that plays mia's mom that's true what a long strange trip it's been that's true we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back blythe okay we rewatched we had all we had seen all of these films already incorrect you, what hadn't you seen? I had never seen What a Girl Wants, and I had never seen Chasing Liberty. My mind is exploding. Yes. I definitely saw What a Girl Wants in theaters. I definitely saw Chasing Liberty in theaters. This is another instance in which our age differential yes. is key. Yes. This would have come at a point in my life where I was felt that I was too cool for these kinds of films, which was false. I mm-hmm. probably would have loved them very, very much if I had seen them in high school. I was 13 when What a Girl Wants came out. Yes. Um, I was 17 when What a Girl Wants no, came out. No, I under... Well, it's... I don't remember who I saw Chasing Liberty with. Entirely possible I saw... Oh, no, it came out in 2014. No? What? 2004. In 2004. Why am I adding I don't a know. decade all these <laughs> Second time you've done that. Uh, no one was old enough to drive when Chasing Liberty came out. Just to totally, like, gauge when this happened. You were 18 years old. I was... Yeah. 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 No one could drive. No one I knew could drive. Um, we were not seeing Chasing Liberty. I don't know if any of my friends have ever seen this movie. I do know I have a friend. Yeah, I do know I have a friend who was very into Mandy Moore, so she might have seen it. Is that friend still into Mandy Moore? Uh, I will ask her. Please do. I will. Please do. But yeah, I this was not very popular in my... It also got an 18 on Rotten Tomatoes, so I don't think it no, was very I don't, popular. No, I don't think it was a well-received movie. I, I, but let me tell you, I saw it in theaters. Wow. That's really great. I'm really happy for you. It was definitely targeted to me as an audience. Like mm, That's what I want to mm-hmm. say about all of these movies. Mm-hmm. They are teen movies because they feature teenage girls. However, their target audience is preteen girls. Yeah, for sure. And I was a preteen girl when these movies yeah. came out. Yeah, that's for sure. So, with Chasing Liberty, I remember seeing it and just thinking, like, bleh, whatever. Like, oh yeah, that was fine. Because I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking Matthew Good was, like, 
edgy or like different. And I still maintain that. He's not your traditional leading man. He's very handsome and he's very charming. But he has kind of a unique tall, dark, and handsome look. Okay. And I think that he's made a lot of choices based off of that look. So, Interesting. He, I mean, match point. He's in Match Point. He doesn't. Play I like the, that movie, by the way. I do. I do too. I have put a kibosh on. I know. I know. I know. Woody Allen movies. Let's just talk about all the problematic men, men but, today. Yeah. Um, no, I would say that Match Point was a really pivotal movie in my understanding of how... Now that I saw in theaters. I saw it on DVD because my mom was like, I think that this... You would really like this. Okay. Um, he's great in Match Point, even though he's not the, like, big bad mm-hmm. guy. He's just kind of one of the bad guys. He's great in this movie that's, like, so fucking weird called Stoker. I never saw that. It's, it's made by a Korean director who, I'm remiss to not remember his name, it's based off of a Korean film, and it's also kind of based off of this Alfred Hitchcock movie that I can't quite recall with Uncle Charlie, I wish I could remember this movie now, um, with Nicole Kidman and Mia Wasikowski, like a young, young Mia Wasikowski, oh. and he's very good in that. I think he plays, he doesn't ever play character, and maybe on TV he does, because I'm not, I haven't got that far in Downton Abbey. But he always plays kind of a duplicitous character. Okay. In film. He always plays kind of this, Wait, have you seen The Crown? No. Okay. He plays this guy who's, like, affable and handsome and aloof. He does have a... Could go on to the dark side at any moment quality about him. Like, you can definitely... Like, there's... You're not quite sure where he stands. And there are some movies that he's made that have not been well-received in which he does that... Stoker and uh, Matchpoint, he does that better. But in rewatching this, like, Mandy Moore has been nominated for many Emmys at this point because of her turn on This Is Us. Which, like, really? I don't watch This Is Us, so I can't really pass judgment on it. I will say that when I was watching it last night with Matt, and he was like... Chasing Liberty. Yeah. I was watching it in bed and he was like on his iPad and he was like is that Drew Barrymore and I was like no and then I text Blythe and Blythe was like I see where she, he's coming from because she does have like a certain affectedness with the way yeah. that she speaks I really like Mandy Moore as a person and her like celebrity I really like Mandy Moore as a celebrity I shouldn't say I like her as a person because I don't know her I like Mandy Moore as a celebrity I think that she's like really beautiful I think that she has an amazing home. I don't know if you've ever seen her Architectural Digest profile. She's married to the lead singer of this band Dawes. Like she's she was famously married to Ryan Adams and is now an advocate for her ex husband's sexual assault victims, which is layered. Yeah, um, she's really into animal rescue. She's an avid hiker and like hikes like huge mountains. I don't know. I really really like Mandy Moore as a celebrity. I think that she's like. In on the joke. Mm, really? I do think she's in on the joke. No. She's sponsored by Eddie Bauer. Right. Which is not in on the joke. No. Who else is she selling shit to other than people like me who are like, I need a camping, I need hiking boots. Right, but that's earnest. She's like... She is earnest. Where my white woman that. at? She... Oh. Yes. Where my white woman at is Minnie Moore's land. Yeah. But... 
It's like, where are my white woman at that can't afford the shit that they're hawking on Goop? Anyways, uh, then the movie progressed, and Matt says to me, I shit you not, he, uh, he goes, this, this movie kind of reminds me of the movie Richie Rich. Is that before your time? And I was... <laughs> You know, I was like, no, Richie Rich is not before my time. And even if it was, of course I would have made space for it in my life. Uh, yeah, so that was the perceived reception to it. I also want to call out about all of these movies. Did they approach the two-hour mark? Yes. Uh, actually, Chasing Liberty goes over two hours. No. Yes, because I remember pausing and being like, how much time do I have left? No, no, no. Yes. It was like an hour and 55. Regardless, they were all very long. For considering the subject matter, which is supposed to be a light teen girl comedy. And also all other teen movies we've watched are clocking around the 90 minute mark. Like the hallmark of a teen movie is it's like a 90 minute movie. Um, Yeah, so I just want to call it that Chasing Liberty was a long movie. It was a slog. There were a lot of like, usually you get one sort of like, cool ambient place setting montage situation and we got like eight of them in Mm -hmm. that movie Mm -hmm. the jeremy piven annabelle sciara annabelle sciara subplot gets a lot of time tons like a full probably like 40 minutes of Mm runtime when you add it all up and it is definitely the most chemistry yes it's the most uh socially evolved because she kind of calls him on his like blatant workplace sexual harassment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i i also thought that it made the movie they were my favorite part of the movie they were my favorite part of the movie but also like they made the movie go on for so yeah long it was weird it was like they needed to show them falling in love to make it okay that Mandy Moore and right, it was like we're Matthew here to break Good. rules. It was like people are just falling in love. Just be okay with it. I can't like, even remember what's Matthew Good's character's name. Ben. Ben. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Ben I mean, was a ten. Oh god, there. The movie just had so many problems. I hated that she was a high school senior falling in love with this dude she's never met before, that is lying to her and letting her think that she's having this like, rebellious event when really he's, like, his job is to keep her safe. Then at one point she strips naked in front of him and he's like, I can't do this. And I was like, can you not do this because this is the President of the United States' daughter and he's your boss? Or can you not do this because she's an 18-year-old high school senior and you feel like it's skeevy? Because both are applicable. Both are applicable. Yeah. I would also like to maybe introduce a new category of there's so much fake love in teen yeah. movies or declarative love in yeah. movies. And I'd like to maybe identify, like, real love in movies moving mm. forward. So okay. maybe we can do that next next go-around. I don't think we've really seen it. I think I think Largine and Peter Kavinsky are real love. Yeah. I think that potentially... Should we give out a Mary J. Blige Award for real love? Yeah. Going forward. Can we add a new award? Yeah. A marriage we'll advice award. Yeah. All right, cool. I do think that to segue into Princess Diaries, are we done with Chasing Liberty? I just want to say one more thing yeah, about yeah. Chasing Liberty that I didn't discuss before. Uh, well, first of all... Oh, can like, I say my favorite quote? Yes. At the end. 
So my favorite bad thing about this movie is the fact that <laughs> so many conversations happen in the Oval Office, and like this isn't a political movie, and so it's like, um, why are we in the like he, like pre the the average president, not the president, maybe now. But the average president doesn't spend time in the Oval Office dealing with family matters. Like, the average president, like, goes to the apartment and, like, deals with their family life and isn't just, like, hanging out in front of a roaring fire in the Oval Office. I don't know. The West Wing had a lot of personal... The, the West Wing familial. is a television show. I'm just saying. All I know is the television shows. I Anyways, haven't spent a lot of time are, with Barack Obama. There are many conversations in the, in the Oval Office. And Mandy Moore comes back from college... And she walks into the Oval Office, and she's looking very collegiate, and she looks out the window, and it's like her Christmas break, and she says, and I quote, hold on, let me pull this up, because I made a note of it. She says, God, I love this house at Christmas. It's not a house. Right. It's I the know. White I know. House. I know. But you know, that's that was their way of showing like this is just her life. She's been He did win re-election. She's, so been, she's been there, there for, for 6 years, she yeah. said. So still, it's a little wackadoo. My favorite is when she's being accosted by people that recognize her and they're like, "What's your name?" and she's like, "Anna." And they're like, "Do you have a last name?" She's like, "No, it's just Anna, like pink." Oh, I missed and that time. Like, of all of the artists you could choose that have one name, you choose pink. I do think that that movie dated itself so badly. Like a the lot. fashion there, there is. She wears two things during this film. One is a green top that is truly tragic, mm -hmm. and the other is a striped sweater t-shirt. I definitely had something like that it. is even uglier. I definitely had something like it from like Aeropostale. It was disgusting. Yeah. My last thing that I will say about this movie, and I'll move on, is that. She breaks it off with Ben when she realizes that he's been lying to her. He quits the Secret Service, becomes director of the opera. No, he's a photographer for the opera. He was in photography. Okay, uh, the opera doesn't need a full-time photographer. Like, I'm not here to defend the weird profession. It is so strange. So she ends up taking a semester abroad in Oxford. Oh, she goes to Harvard, by mm. the way. Then just casually goes to Harvard. Oh, I get that. She's been the president's daughter. All, they all go to Harvard. Okay. So she spends a semester abroad in Oxford where she seeks out Ben to rekindle their romance. Cause she, and then she finds him at the opera where he's... Now he's... Taking photographs. He's, he's taking photographs. So he's had a major career switch from Secret Service agent to photographer for the opera. Yeah, allegedly because she inspired in him the passion for doing what you want to do and experiencing the world. Okay. They do watch the opera at one scene. I'm not t I'm not defending this movie, but I'm saying there was a heavy-handed but inconsistent attempt to make that make sense. Okay. All right. I appreciate your defense. I just said I'm not defending it. No, but you did a good job. I'm Boo. convinced. Wait, why are you blowing Let's move on. Should we move on to the good movies? <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. So I can't say how I felt about rewatching What a Girl Wants. I can say how I felt about watching What a Girl Wants. Yeah, tell me. That Colin Firth can do anything. Yeah, so I was like 13 when this movie came out, and my mom was like, I love Colin Firth. I know. I and I'd never seen Bridget Jones' Diary. 
So I just want to, when I was 13, I hadn't seen Bridget Jones' Diary. But you've seen it since. Oh, of course. Okay, all I of them. I saw Bridget Jones' Baby in theaters, and I was, like, clapping along with middle-aged okay, women. Okay, I couldn't love Bridget Jones' Diary more as a, as any, like, I just couldn't love anything yeah. about it more. I wonder, having watched it as an adult, as a, as a very much an adult, if, as, if I had seen this as a teen, I wonder if I would have been more attracted to Amanda Bynes's crush, this guy Ian. Ian. Than I would have been Colin Firth. But I'll say it this way: I was more into Ian as an adult. I was like, "Oh, he's so cute." But then I, I was as a teen. As a teen, he like, I don't know what he, I don't know what he was missing. He's not he. I honestly think that he's just not in it that much. Yeah. So you're not that because, like I said, this is kind of. Did I say this on the pod already? No, I didn't. So I think that all of these are rom coms in a way. Chasing Liberty is obviously a rom com between Mandy Moore and. Matthew Good. And I think that What a Girl Wants is a rom-com, but it, the romance, the love, not the romance, is between, uh, what's her name? I can't remember anyone's name. Amanda Bynes? Yeah, I mean, what's her character's name? Uh, Daphne. Daphne. It's between Daphne and her dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That's the, like, central relationship that you're rooting for, is mm-hmm. for them to be close and, like, come across this time and space and cultural distance. And so with Ian, you're just like, oh, cute boy, check. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also watched the, like, eight-hour miniseries Pride and Prejudice with Colin Firth when I was in middle school and was like, that's my man. Really? Yeah. I was super into Mr. Darcy. I didn't watch that many series until I was, like, probably, like, a junior in high school. Yeah. I remember watching that, and I remember being, like, Colin Firth. Exactly. So I think I've always had a, had a lot of deep feelings for Colin Firth. And this movie, he's Who amazing. Who hasn't? But the thing I love about him is that he, I'm sure he got this script and was like, okay, this is a lot of bollocks, but, like, he just plays... First of all, he plays scandalized so well. Yes. And he also plays, I'm going to be straight with you and say what's exactly on my mind at all times very well. He's so charming in this movie. I, I honestly recommend it. You recommend Based on his performance. performance. Yeah, I thought that the movie held up much better than I was expecting. I agree. Um, and I think that this was a very good middle-of-the-road movie. The script is not phenomenal. No. It's a little too fairy tale-y. Yeah. Um, some of the production quality in terms of, like, the fake royal family is a little goofy. So, yeah. I feel like I had a greater appreciation for What a Girl Wants in 2019 than I would have when it came out. You were pleasantly surprised. I was. I was very... I, it was a nice palate cleanser to the train wreck that was Chasing Liberty. Wait, so you watched all these movies in one day? Yeah. And you started with Chasing Liberty? Yeah. Woof. I know. Okay. I mean, but well played. I think so. I definitely did it well. Princess Diaries, I'm just gonna... Oh, wait. My last thing about What a Girl Wants. I remember being very inspired by Amanda Bynes' look. Like, her cool girl look. Oh, yeah. You've mentioned that. Yeah. And so I specifically remember the blazer that I bought at The Gap. As a result of watching this movie. Phenomenal anecdote. And I said to Polite afterwards, I was like, you know, it's troubling to me that I wore a blazer in, like, 
the eighth grade, but I apparently did. And then Blythe was like, no, but everybody did. Yeah. And then I started talking about, like, Delia's catalog. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, preppy was, like, a thing. Or, like, like a East Coast prep yeah. school was a vibe. And it was also, like, preppy grunge. Like, you would wear a blazer yes. with, like... Your cool distress jeans. Yeah. It was bad. Oh, my God. It was so bad. Ugh. Blythe, you had seen... Yes, I had seen The Princess Diaries, although I don't remember when I watched it. I believe I was in college. Okay. I had I watched it later in life. Um, I mean, I loved it then. I remember being very smitten with it. I remember thinking, like, why didn't people tell me to watch this movie? Interesting. But I didn't see it in high school. So this movie came out when I was, like, fully still watching the Disney yeah. Channel. So it was, like, specifically targeted to me mm-hmm. and my sister. And it came out, and I remember seeing it. I remember re I've, I've rewatched this movie many times. I probably saw the sequel in theaters. I can't remember that, but I'm quite sure that I did. There's allegedly a third movie in the works. We've talked about this. Can't wait. We can only pray. Rewatching it, I hadn't fully. So I've rewatched it many times. And I've rewatched it probably within the last like two or three years in segments. Like, oh, it's on TV, and I'll watch it. But I haven't sat down and intentionally watched it from start to finish and paid attention until this week. And this movie impacted my teen life more than I could have possibly imagined. Wow. First of all, I think that Mia is an exceptional role model for teen girls and for preteen girls especially. Because it's like you can be nerdy and you can be unsure of your place in the world and you can have, you can struggle with how you look, and you can have insecurities, like the conversation where she's talking to her mom, and she's like, I look like an asparagus. Like, that was so yes. true to me, where I was to be like, I would come out, I would like, go to the mall, and I'd buy a great outfit, and I'd be like, I look amazing, and then I would come out, and I'd be like, Mom, this is not working! Like, and she's only 15, she's only supposed to be 15 in this movie. And I just thought that, like, the way that they presented these normal and, in in theory, untraumatic things that happen to someone. I mean, like, the things that happen at the beach bash or whatever are pretty shitty. But, like, all these other kind of, like, small humiliations, like, that really drilled down what teen life is actually yeah. like. And, oh, when she was giving her, like, debate speech and she couldn't go through with it and she ended up, like, having throw to up. throw up. Yeah. That was... If you're a teen, that is not a... You can't a come back from that. trauma. That is, like... You're gonna have, like, PTSD from that totally. shit. Totally. Like, that is real. Yeah. So, I think that the... I mean, kudos to Metcalf for constructing a narrative that indicates that. Um, but I also think that Anne Hathaway is res- a resplendent teen in this movie. And I think that... Anne Hathaway has, at this point in her career, proven that she can do drama exceptionally well. But I feel like she's leaned back into comedy. Like, Ocean's 8, she was, like, very funny and tongue-in-cheek in. And I think that she does that really well in Princess Diaries. Yeah. And she's, like, in on the joke, and she's just, like, goofy. I also would like to call to attention in the Princess Diaries, and this was something that I had recognized on rewatch, like, not this rewatch, but a different rewatch. Do you know what I'm going to say? No. So, in the sh- the film, her high school is like a high, like a 
an elite San Francisco prep school, mm -hmm. which is a real thing. And her principal is played by Sandra Oh. Right. And Sandra Oh does not have that much screen time in this film. She and steals those scenes, though. She, oh, my God. She steals those scenes. It They are hilarious. They, they are just, like, comedically... And the thing is, is, like, Sandra Oh, at this point, is known for her role on... in Her role in Sideways, which is mm -hmm. not a comedy. Her role in Grey's Anatomy, not a comedy. Her Although role, she has... She's very she, funny. She's that. very... Black, dark humor. Yeah. And then her role in Killing Eve. Have you seen Killing Eve? No. Oh, it's very good. Matt and I are both big fans. I cool. think you guys should watch it. Which is a dark comedy, but she's not the comedic... Right component of that. It's it's the the her Waller Bridgers or is she no she's she a, just wrote she's it. a writer. Okay, it's her counterpart the cat okay. the the mouse to her cat. <laughs> um, Sandra O oh is such an exceptional actress, and I just felt that her role in this is so funny. It's so informed, and I just love that she is tied into this film franchise like I just think that it is such a good because there's a lot of bit parts in this Gary Marshall's kind of known for like Hector Alonso like is Elizondo sorry I was dropping a syllable Hector Elizondo is known for being in every Gary Marshall film um and sometimes they're bit parts and sometimes they're larger parts like the Princess Diaries is a much larger part um and Gary Marshall has I mean Gary Marshall for those of you who I know some of our, our peeps aren't big film people, but he directed Pretty Women. He directed a lot of TV in the 70s that people really love. Um, he directed Runaway Bride, which is a movie that I personally love very much. Um, Beaches, Overboard, like these are movies that are not teen movies, but they came out in the late 80s, and so they particularly formative in my movie education because they came out when my mom was like a young adult or like in her she was like probably around my age and so they informed kind of like the fun feel-good movies that were then presented to yeah, me yeah for sure oh gary marshall is a legend yeah and so that's what he then presents to us in the princess diaries uh, I also didn't fully understand my crush on the Schwartzmans, which I've already alluded to, but I just thought that the Princess Diaries, the ultimate message of this movie and of um, Princess Diaries 2 is to follow your heart, essentially, and to know that you are good enough just as you are and by being yourself. Um, it can be a more refined version of yourself, but ultimately, but ultimately that is the lesson that's being imparted in this film. Crazy things can happen to you and you, and you can rise to the occasion. You have that in you and the people around you will support you. And I just felt like, what a great thing to be target. I mean, this movie, Princess Diaries was targeted to preteens. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. And like, kudos to Disney, kudos to Disney. Yeah. Kudos. She was a great heroine. She's a great role model. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. 
What was your... We're going to move on to the awards. What was your most true-to-life teen moment? So I thought that Mia's entire meltdown about becoming a princess was so true-to-life. It's like, if I run away from this situation and reject it, it won't be happening. If I scream at you loudly, it won't be happening. Uh, if I run away again, it won't be happening. Mm-hmm. Like, I just thought that everything she said... If I, if I throw daggers at you, it won't be happening. And she has multiple meltdowns throughout that kind, the kind of exposition of the movie where they're telling her she's a princess and she has to accept it. She has, like, an extended, like, small, small simmering meltdown. Yeah. We also talked about the meltdown between her and Lily, which is that, that was yours? my That was my choice. I thought they have a break where Mia's overwhelmed. She is... Learning to become a princess of she's a country a crazy. that she's had little to no contact or knowledge about. She has no idea. She's dealing with, like, basically an entirely new branch of her family. And she has to keep it all a secret. And her best friend's freaking out at her because she won't, like... She also has undergone a makeover. Right. She so she's has gotten rid of her frizzy hair. She's had a glow up. She has... She looks great. You broke my brush. No, you broke my glasses. You you broke my glasses. So that, I was trying to find the actor that played the Paolo, like the salon guy. Yeah. And he was the dad in 10 Things I Hate About You. He's also in a he's different in so many, movie, but I can't call Yeah, it and he's mind. in like Christopher Guest movies. Mm, a lot. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but I couldn't find his, uh, the actor's name. Anyway... So, Lily has it out with Mia, and she's like, you're a bad friend, like, you're not helping me with my cable show, and you're, and you're, you broke my brother's heart by not showing up to the date that he had planned for you, because you were off with your new popular friends. It's true. And it was true, but it was also like, damn, Lily, how selfish can you be? Like, your girl is going through yeah, some shit. Yeah, Lily is very selfish in a way that... That felt true to life. Like, sometimes really, you're like yeah. that. And you are upset when your friends get more popular friends or whatever. Like, I, it was, that was the most true to life moment for me. Because, honestly, none of these films are true to life because they're all about people realizing that they're princesses. Fly five, something to tell you. <laughs> oh, my God. Erin, what small island nation are you a princess of? What was my least true to life moment? I don't know. Uh, Literally all of them. My least true to life moment was bring, was wearing. I'm sorry. This is this is not my least true. This is not my least true to life moment. No. This is not my least true to teen life moment. This is my least true to life moment. No one wears a bathing suit to the beach in San Francisco. It's so cold. Oh, I see. I see. I see. I was you like, cannot you went swim naked? <laughs> at Baker Beach. You show up in your jeans and sweatpants. She did have a lot of other layers, though. She did. Have you ever been on a sailboat in the San Francisco Bay? Yes. What did you wear? It's the Arctic. Yeah. Yeah. That's why half zips and fleeces are a thing. Yeah. Barf. Okay. Uh, my loose, least true-to-life teen moment was... Um, Mandy Moore going traipsing through Europe with no money. Mm, yeah, that was a good one. Like, oh, my wallet's gone. I'm just going to smile at people and they'll do nice things for me. And, and it was ludicrous. Yeah. 
Also, I don't know if I mentioned this, but it's called Chasing Liberty because our Secret Service code name is Liberty. So, so if we're going to take the title by its name, then it's really Jeremy Piven's movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we don't have a starter training award because we felt like everyone was cast around their age. Mandy Moore is not that much older in this, and now seeing her in her current show leads right. us to the Peter Fascinelli Award. Right. So, although she doesn't appear in another teen movie as a parent, she appears as the matriarch on This Is Us. Matriarch is the right word for that. Yeah. I watched... Yeah, I don't watch This Is Us regularly. I watched the first two seasons. You watched the first two seasons? Mm-hmm. So my sister and I both watched the first season, and then we took a family vote that maybe it would be too sad for us to handle, given our the state of our family... No, it's super right. sad. Yeah, yeah. And we voted against it. Carrie, if you're cheating on me with This Is Us, let me know. No girl, no. Anywho, Mandy Moore has been nominated for Golden Globes and Emmys for her performance. She's fine. She's not like She's not Milo Ventimiglia. No, I'm not. I mean, like Milo Ventimiglia. Maybe we should make it the. Vi- if it was a television podcast, it would be the Milo Ventimiglia oh, yeah. Award. We'll talk about Milo when we get to our. We're gonna do a summer mini episode where we talk about some teen high school shows some teen shows yeah so let's move on to our sleepover games and superlatives mm-hmm. uh we're gonna play some fuck Mary kill you want me to start you start okay um so weirdly all of these movies have some pretty significant father plot lines and we are recording on the eve of father's day ish so i'm gonna give you some dads that you can fuck marry or kill so you have President Mark Harmon. I think I gave you the exact same version. Oh no, uh, Lord Dashwood, Colin Firth. Yeah. Or the hot teacher that oh, uh, no. that Anne Hathaway's mm, mom dates. No. So, fun fact that I wasn't going to mention when I first you've had sex with Colin Firth. No, oh my god, I would mention that every day. <laughs> <laughs> um. When I was watching, so I watched Princess Diaries, downloaded on my phone, on my way to work a few days this week. And when I was watching it on my phone, the first time you see the teacher, and I, like, remember the teacher subplot. He looks like Chris Pratt. Yes! Yes! I thought the exact oh same God. thing. He looks just, just like, like Chris, Chris Pratt. Pratt. I had to stop and Google if Chris Pratt was in this Me movie. Too. It was so weird. He doesn't look anything like Chris Pratt when you see him, no. like, face on. But there was the first yes. time, yes, I yes. had the exact same thought. Oh, my God. Wow. I know. This is why we have a podcast. I know. Um, yeah. We finish each other's sandwiches. Can you remind me of the three people you just Yes. <laughs> uh, Mark Harmon, which, he's been in the news recently as being, like, kind of a bad guy, so I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, Colin Firth. Yeah. And uh, Hot Teacher, not Chris Pratt. I'm gonna marry Colin Firth. Yes, you are. I, I'm gonna marry like yeah. Like I can't believe I can say this and put I it know, out in the I world know. to our 19 listeners, but I would marry Colin Firth. Mm-hmm. Matt, if you don't listen, sorry, sorry, bud. Yeah. Uh, I would probably kill Mark Harmon. Okay. He's a bad dad. He's a bad spouse, and the news. He is seems bad like a good him. president, but he's really bad. What? In I don't other care. Way. Yeah. I don't care. I don't want to marry someone in politics. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and finally, that means I would fuck the hot teacher. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that, that works. Yeah. All right, who you got for me? Also, I just want to like highlight on the hot teacher. 
the re- he's not really a hot teacher. He's just like a decently looking, kind guy, okay. which is fine. Mm-hmm. And the reason that he's relevant in the Princess Diaries is because he goes to, to her mom. Mia's mom goes to a parent teacher conference. And she comes back going on a date with the teacher. Mm-hmm. And Mia's so angry. And the mom is like, Mia, do you know how... And this is this is when I was like, oh, San Francisco used to be such a different thing. She's like, do you know how hard it is to meet a guy who's not pierced or tattooed and has a job below South of Market? Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh my god, now South of Market is literally just people in Patagonia vests. Yeah. Using their jewels... And talking about, they're leading, they're introducing themselves with the tech company that they work with. Yeah. I work for LinkedIn. My name's Mark. Okay, but like you just described New York, except no. Yes, Jules Patagonia vest. Are you kidding me? In certain bars, not in all bars. Like you and I haven't met men in bars in six years, so men in bars, men in <laughs> bars. <laughs> Can I have my fuck Mary Kill? Yes, your fuck Mary kill is a little different. I wasn't anticipating okay. that it would be. Okay. Your fuck Mary kill, and I'm putting someone in there who's a little controversial, and I hope you don't kill him. Okay. Your fuck Mary kill is Colin Firth, Jeremy Piven, and Hector Elizondo. Oh. Which he is kind of the paternal figure, if you will, of. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not fucking or marrying Hector. I'm sorry. I know. I know you like. I think I'd him. marry Hector over Colin Firth. I don't think so. No, not fair. a chance. Sorry. You maybe pick a different guy, and I he's didn't in the pick running. High Sparrow for you. Thank you for that. I felt like an easy out. Yeah. No, I'm gonna marry Colin Firth. Obviously, like for yes, Mr. Darcy. Hello, of course. No, as their characters. Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna. Lord I'm gonna, Dashwood. Yes, I'm gonna marry Lord Dashwood. Um, I would totally fuck Jeremy Piven as a Secret <gasps> Service agent. You and Anna would get along quite well. Say what you want. Jeremy Piven has a sexual magnetism to him. It's the reason why Ari Gold as a character works. And I'm gonna kill Hector. I love him in this movie. I love his relationship with Clarice. It's beautiful. I just. I, I think I'd kill Jeremy Piven. You would kill the Secret Service agent that's just trying to... I think I'd kill Jeremy Piven. All right, well. He's too short for me. Okay, we'll move on. All right, let's move on to our our superlatives. Uh, This, because... Wait, who's your biggest crush? Oh, my biggest crush. So, as a teen, it would have been Eric Von Detten, because I was obsessed with Frank. And I was obsessed. Like, I thought he was so hot, but I was also, like, 11 when Brink came out, Mm -hmm. so that's okay. Uh, Because I was, like, seven when Brink came out. So currently, on a rewatch, Brink was like, I was like, why would I, was I ever attracted to the kid? And I was like, oh my god, Matthew Good is so hot. Yeah. Matthew Good. Fair. 100%. Fair. If you have not seen The Wine Show, it's on Hulu. It is fantastic. Uh, I've watched it on Hulu. I think, I mean. So then it's definitely not a prime show. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's just Matthew Good and... The guy from the Americans, whose name escapes me, but the lead. His name is also Matthew something. Matthew Reese. Matthew Reese. Just going around to different countries, trying different wines, talking with different winemakers. His wife, Carrie Russell, is my boyfriend's greatest Biggest crush. crush. Another teen idol. We'll Carrie get to, Russell, we'll get to Felicity. Felicity. 
Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, watch the wine show. It's great, and they have a they have a sommelier that's like also part of their cast. It's great. My favorite, my biggest teen crush, is Robert Schwartzman. Yeah. So Blay, you I'm came like, up with our superlatives. I did. You're like one word, like pink, pink, or exactly. <laughs> uh, I'll throw it to you. Best crown. I thought um, it was Amanda Bynes. She had that really lovely, tasteful crown that her grandmother gave her. It had a, a few well placed pearls. It was very, it was very subtle. And Whereas Anne Hathaway's was like gigantic. It was gigantic. Also, Anne Hathaway is on the record saying that it was an incredibly heavy crown. Yeah, and she was fatigued during filming wearing yeah. it. And a small f- side fun fact. Disney Studios gifted her with a lighter replica of the crown after the movie came out. Man, it must be cool to be a celebrity. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's why Disney has her in their back pocket. Mm. Uh, no, Amanda Bynes' crown is amazing, and the fact that her grandmother gives it to her... Like, grandmas are really MVPs of this... Absolutely. ...series. 100%. And episode, um, because they're just, like, supportive and kind, and... The fact that it's like a family heirloom is so sweet. On both accounts. Yes. But Amanda Bynes' is especially better. Yeah, it looks really good. And then she gives it up because it doesn't mean anything to her. Right. The freaking whatever her name is. Glennis. Glennis. <laughs> okay, here's where we have a bit of a divergence. Alright, we have Best Makeover. Which I know everyone out there is going to say, Anne Hathaway, what an incredible makeover. I have Amanda Bynes. Go on. So, when we meet Amanda Bynes, she is wearing some truly tragic American early aughts fashion. Skinny scarves. Low, low rise bell bottom jeans. So, her proportions are like, she looks like Gumby. Like, you don't know where her torso ends and where it begins. I've never heard early aughts described that way, but she does look like Gumby. That's what, like, it doesn't make any sense. Uh It's like her curves are where they, like, her curves start she like above her curves. knees. Yeah, yeah. It's so strange, and some weird uh, tank top ribbed sweater. Tanks. Yeah, it's so bizarre. Bad. Did bad. you not have ribbed tanks? Of course, I had ribbed oh, tanks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phew. Oh. Um, and then I she bought gets, them in stock at Old Navy. So. And then she gets this British aristocracy. So she has to wear all these things for all these different, like, high society events. And she looks fucking great. We're talking tailored dresses. Like, proportional suit I just want to call out that that type of a glow up happened to someone in real life. That's someone being Kate Middleton. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't don't know if you've spent as much time. I don't. I haven't. Like, I would encourage that you look at Kate Middleton's college photos. Oh. Okay. Which were about honestly like girls gone mild. No, don't look at that because I don't want to give them any clicks. They don't need any clicks. Okay. There's some like unfortunate she paparazzi shots of there. her. I do, but I don't think that you know enough about the real family to know that's a real thing. What her girls gone mild pictures? No, what? no, there's like a weird photo of her in like the same way that Princess Di had like that like dramatic. Uh, scandalous photo where she's not wearing a slip and they were like oh my god we can see her legs there's a very similar photograph of Kate Middleton anyways this glow up was either I wasn't aware of Kate Middleton's glow up that was happening at the time or it was prescriptive of what was about to happen but it is 
Interesting. All right. Who's your best makeover? Well, my my best makeover is Anne Hathaway, mostly because this essentially set the tone for all makeover movie montages I would ever see. Mm. Like, to say it again, I was 11 when this movie came out. The quote, I think I've said before in this podcast, like, you broke my glasses, you broke my brush. Like... I knew that that was coming the minute he walked onto mm-hmm. the, the frame. Like, yeah. it was, I my whole body knew what was coming. The rings coming off. Mm. We saw echoes of that in the penultimate episode of Game of Thrones where Varys takes his rings off. We we saw that in Pose where people, you haven't watched Pose, but watch Pose. it's a thing. I'm just saying, I think that that makeover episode is up there with the Miss Congeniality makeover episode. Wow. And the shopping spree of Gary Marshall's other most famous movie, Pretty Woman. Like, mm. that is a, it, like, the makeover scene in Princess Diaries is iconic. I loved it. Great. Uh, who do we think would make the best future ruler? Well, are we disregarding Princess Diaries 2? Yeah. So I actually think that Anna from Chasing Liberty would make a, a better diplomat. Because she does all of the step and repeat, hold hands, kiss the baby situations seamlessly. So that's my vote. Okay, mine is Anne Hathaway. Well... If you've seen Princess Diaries 2, you I know have. that that's true. Mia, um, I just think it has, it, she's just, I don't know. Maybe? I don't trust Mandy Moore's judgment. She made a lot of poor judgment calls. She did, but didn't you when you were 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22? <laughs> How many numbers are you going to count to, Erin? 47. Uh, she's like fucking 33. Are you just currently making poor decisions for I your stopped. life? No, no, no. You no. stopped at 47, which is like major shade. Thank you very much. At 47, I'll throw you a big birthday party. Yeah. All right. You heard it here first. Do you uh, have a prom king queen? There's no proms. There's only one school dance featured in the entire episode. Yeah. I mean, my prom king is Colin Firth and my... There's just no Hawkeyes in this. Yeah, There's I don't no think that teens. these movies are particularly positioned to be yeah. about teen dynamics. No. They're supposed to be about teenage girls finding yeah. their own sitch. And I think what I wanted to call out... Did I do this already? Well, I don't know what you're going to do, so I can't read your mind, Erin. <laughs> that, that Chasing Liberty is a bad version of the other two movies. I think I said this already. Well, no, you talk about how they're rom-coms, but no. Oh. So I think that Chasing Liberty is just like a badly executed version of all of like all of these check boxes. Yeah. And so I feel that. Yeah. So I mean, I just like, Colin Firth is my prom king because I know that Colin Firth never. I assume I don't know anything about British proms, but like I don't think he went to a prom, but he would be my prom king. My prom queen would be Mandy Moore. Um, either in Chasing Liberty or in Princess Diaries, because I just feel like she plays basically the same character. I think that Mandy Moore could probably win a prom prom queen election in Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, today. Yeah. I mean, you love her. I do. Yeah. If I was, like, voting from my heart... Yeah. I would definitely vote Daphne, 
mm-hmm. and Michael yes, from Princess from Diaries. Diaries. I hear but, that. like, that's not the world we that's live in. the world we live in. We have our usual question, should there be any remakes of these films? No. No. Uh, sequels? Yes. Please. Give me all the sequels. I can't wait for Princess Diaries 3. The script has allegedly already been written. 100. Amazing. My concern, Julie Andrews is not young. So? I would like her to be in the third version, so let's get to, let's hop two people. Oh man, don't put that on her. No, let's hop to Disney. Yeah, but she'll be fine. She's fine. No, no. Julie Andrews is fine. She's like 90. Yeah, but like, she's fine. Okay, she's actually on the list of celebrities that I think I would cry when I find out that they pass. You have a whole list of that? I didn't, and then Paul Newman died a few, like, a few years ago, and my mom told me that she fell down at work when she heard the died. I shouldn't laugh. Um, but then I realized how upset I will be when people tell me that certain celebrities die. And yeah, she's so on you started list. compiling a list. I have a list. What was the most recent celebrity death where you were None like? None happened. No. 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 None like They're just caught you. They're all still with us. Oh I mean, Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds were like a tough blow, but that was like independent. That was like a tragedy, not a, oh, you've lived your long lives. Prince dying was very difficult for me. I know. I'm sorry. When Robert Redford dies, like, I have multiple friends who are like, I might need to take a personal day at work to come for you. I feel that. Okay, which was the best teen movie of this category? I think Princess Diaries. Princess Diaries is great. It's the only one that's had sequels. A sequel made... A well-grossing, well-received yeah. sequel made. And I also think that in terms of identifying this as a 29-year-old who is now more or less vetting things from the perspective of how did this impact me as a teen and how will this impact if I ever have teen daughters. Princess Diaries, like, Mia is a strong role model. Her support system is emphasized. Like, Princess Diaries is an amazing teen movie, and I was blessed to have it. Agreed. In my life. Agreed. As an 11-year-old. And I feel like not only was it the best film of the bunch, it was... I think it has to do with the ages, too. Like, she was literally in high school, whereas Amanda Bynes and Mandy Moore were on their way out of high school. They're more glam. Yeah, and they were in this, like, transition... They were known, too. They were, like, known stars. And they were in that transition period of, like, I'm trying to not be a teen anymore. I'm trying to be more adult in my roles and, like, kind of push those boundaries... Whereas Anne Hathaway was like, I am going to be 15 in this movie, and I am going to play a 15-year-old. I think that was what makes it the best teen movie. It's true. Do you, you, well, you were an adult when you watched all these movies. Mm-hmm. And I saw most of these movies with my parents. So that says a lot for, like, parental allowance. These are, like, A-plus, good media. Oh, yeah. No. Way to go. Um... Our next episode is all about Teen Paradise. Teen Paradise. Imagined. I'm, I'm excited for this. Um, it's a it's a little it's a little different than our usual pods. I'm excited the though. The movies are a little bit older yeah. or more out there. Yeah. We're talking some But there's only nineteen of you, so Yeah. We're we're gonna like we're gonna go through some tree houses, we're doing some little against runaway plots. It's gonna be fun. I'm excited. Thank you so much. Happy Father's Day. I guess.